Welcome to Talk, a podcast dedicated to creatives breaking into the industry. Presented by Brain Freeze. I'm your host, Dana Bulos. On episode two, we talk with Miyako Bilisi, costume designer, stylist, and all around extraordinaire. I hope you enjoy the talk. Hi, Miyako. How are you? Hi, I'm great. How are you? Good. Thank you so very much for joining us on Talk today. Oh, of course. I've been waiting for this. I was really excited when you you asked. I'm so I haven't spoken to you also, so it's it's nice to hear you. I know it's nice to finally like talk to you and uh I miss being Mm -hmm. able to like pull and just see my friends and it's it's really no same and like reconnecting. I don't know. I just I feel like this last year has been hard and there's a lot of people I still haven't seen or you know, so it's nice to just reconnect. 100 percent so um just to give everybody a little background on you um i would love to have you introduce yourself and tell us more about your background yeah sure um so my name is miyako valizzi i am a costume designer based in new york although i am in la a, a lot i started off in the fashion industry but i have since moved more into the film feature world I'll do shoots if I want to. But yeah, mostly being costume design now is kind of what I really love. It's what oh, I've been focusing and, and on. Your work is just so phenomenal. I love the attention to detail with every film that you've done and now shows. And oh, I can't wait to just get into this. Oh, so, wow. Thank you. <laughs> how did you transition from going from styling uh, into the costume entertainment, like film world? I mean, I guess everything kind of happened pretty organically when you think about it or when I think back to how I've gotten here, because I ask myself that question a lot. Like, how did I get here? You know, like, how does this happen? And I feel like I've been asked this before, you know, and it's interesting because I think I do have a unique story in that. So I started off in fashion and I I think where the transition started, you know, I hate to give them too much credit, but it was when I was working at Vice. And I think it was because that was the first time I saw and I started working on more editorials in general where it wasn't so much like a fashion shoot. It was more narrative in the way that they wanted to have a story and then we photographed it and then the clothes were just part of the story. And that's kind of was my intro even in like, developing characters I think even if they were pretty outlandish or like weird or I don't know I was also doing more video work then too that's when I started gearing into that and I was doing a lot of music videos at that time too so I I was familiar with that world and I really enjoyed that I love doing music videos they're so fun and creative and those are also can be narrative it wasn't until I'd left and I was freelancing and I was having a hard time in the fashion world, to be honest. I, I never really kind of felt like I, I fit in to that world. And I didn't know how I fit in because I knew that I was different in what I wanted to do, you know, like everything kind of felt flat to me. So when a young director just asked if I had ever done a film before and if I would be interested to do it, and I kind of just jumped at that chance. And then afterwards, I kind of realized I don't know how to do a film like I've never done one before a full-length feature so that was kind of my film school I, I it was really fun it was very low budget 
I used all my own clothes. And fortunately for me, there were friends that were cast in it, like Kay and Allie Michael. And so I had a lot of fun with them in that. And I kind of just, I just did it, you know, I, I kind of learned from, by doing. I didn't know what continuity was. Only recently have I learned the importance of having doubles. I feel like I'm still learning. And so that's it's kind of exciting and cool that it just kind of happened organically. And then after that, I, I really enjoyed my experience on that. Right after that, for some reason, it just kind of kept happening where like, then someone else asked me, oh, I have a friend that's doing a film upstate. Like, do you want to do that? And I was like, yes, like, I'm so excited. Like, this is so fun, even though, you know, obviously I'm not making any money, but like, I just, I enjoyed the process and it was so fun to see all the departments and learning about the industry as a whole, even on in small scale at that time, you know, in, in this like very small, low budget feature. And I just had so much fun on that, that I just continued. And then I just kept getting offered, like while I was doing another film, someone else would be like, Hey, the so-and-so is doing the film. Like, do you, do you want to do it? And I'd be like, yes. You know, and it was kind of just my film school of like, I just want to keep learning and, and trying different things. I did like four films in a row. And then I was a little burnt out because they are very exhausting. So then I was like, okay, need to reel it in and take a break. Wow. That's kind of how it's happened. I mean, it's very organic. Maybe it was meant to be or something, but that's kind of how it felt where I was like, oh, here I am. I guess I'm just doing this now. It's happening. And let's talk about your experience on Uncut Gems, one of my personal favorites from your portfolio wow, so okay. far. Nothing has really compared to like how my process is in working with uh, Josh and Benny on their films. It's very special and very unique. I feel almost spoiled because it's just so different from any any other relationship within working on other films that I, it's just very special. It's like very magical working with them and it's so full of energy and life. Also, it's different because I, I've, they're only and first, first and only costume designer they've ever worked with. So it, it's been a learning process even for us to work together. Like Good Time was kind of like our intro Mm-hmm, and how we've yeah. like kind of learned how to work together so that prepped us for gems. The one big difference with working with them is that I know pretty early on for both films, I I knew about the film about a year before and they kind of kept me in the loop of who they're casting, what was going on with it, ideas about people and things. So I kind of started my research pretty early on. It felt like I had a lot of time to develop characters and be in this world and have conversations with them about what they wanted out of this film. It's kind of their baby gems because they were working on it for almost a decade before. So I, I knew about this film. I don't know if we want to get into the whole process. I can oh, yeah. just I was start about, about to ask you the next. Yeah, question. like it, we, I could talk about this for like an hour, okay. just in I'll, general, the whole process. I mean, but just in general, that's like kind of the first the major a major difference of working with them in in that process is that we have a lot of time like I met Adam Sandler like six months before I started prep and so it kind of gave us that dialogue I opened up that dialogue to even start thinking about I've already seen him in different outfits that I've prepped just to see silhouettes and styles and talk about it with the guys pretty early on by the time we started prepping I already pretty, he was pretty much done. Like I, I already knew what his character was going to be. So, so. when, when you yeah. get a script first mm-hmm. and you get approached to do a film and it's so amazing that you have the chance to like have this kind of like a longer research and just because films get 
you know, it, the development takes a minute <laughs> and yeah. it's amazing that you had six months and were able to meet the cast and just to really get to know them and get to know the character they're going to become. What do you, how is your process like? I mean, you get the script. Do you start looking mm -hmm. through books? Like how, how do you develop yeah. a character style from a script? I think what's so interesting as I'm working with other directors, the process always changes too. It, it depends on how much time you have because most of the time you, there is not enough time. There's never enough time. So the process is always different. And now lately I get sent scripts. So how I choose them even in the first place, it's all already a process for me. I get a script as I'm reading it, if I start thinking about the characters and visualizing them, you know, and get really excited about that, then that's when I, I know that it feels right. Because it's been hard for me, you know, when you turn down job, and now I'm in the position where like, you kind of have to decide it's three months of your life. Like, do I want to do this? Does it make me feel good? You know? And like, mm -hmm. so that in itself is a process of like, even just figuring out if you want to work on a project or does the director feel good? Do we vibe? Like, do we like each other? You know, like that in itself is like another part of this, but just in terms of the characters and building that, like, so I first read it once and I, I, I have to see if I visualize it and it, and if it inspires me or excites me in some way, or if I'm learning. And a lot of times if I'm scared, cause some, I, you know, I actually get kind of nervous. I'm like, wow, I don't know anything about this. But when I feel that, that's when I know that I should probably do it because that means it'll put me outside of my element. And that means that there's a lot for me to learn within these characters. And now I try to push myself in that way with certain scripts. After I read the script, then I decide to like, you know, meet the director and then that comes first. If that works out, you know, and if you're like, okay, wow, like that was great. Like I had a really great conversation with, with the director. I think I really like the script and what they're doing with it. And I like their ideas. Then I have to start doing research because a lot of times I have to create boards for a lot of films. Like I'm up, I'm not the only person that's up for this job. So I have to um, kind of share my ideas. Then I read the script again and start really diving into these characters and how, how I'm going to present my ideas to the director. So I kind of spend, you know, a while depending. Sometimes I only have like a day. So sometimes I just, I'm up all night and it's almost like a, you know, a school project where I'm just doing an all nighter and I'm trying to like figure out these characters. I don't have time. And that, you know, a lot of it is online and trying to at least just, starting the conversation for a director you know then I I love photography and a lot of times it's very important for me that the characters are real so I I really love referencing real like almost like street style kind of books of photographers who took photos of real people from depending if it's an era or a place or something I'm unfamiliar with I really need to know what the real people were wearing at that time because a lot of what film is it's like yes it's the main characters but there's so many other people involved you know, you're dressing everyone on screens like you're building the world when you read a script you really have to think about what does everyone wear like what is the whole vibe of this film which is you know the whole community of it like what does the guy in the elevator wearing that will help determine the world so having reference photos of just normal people are really important to me I think I, I kind of start with that just because I, I love photography in general. So I, I usually, and, you know, for reference photos, to me, those are kind of the best 
and they help me explain if it does come from a real person and if it was real, then I, I feel like then I, it just, it helps. I love that. Who is your favorite photographer? Or if you had to pick like five. Oh my gosh. Because I know this is going to be so hard. <laughs> my favorite photographer, I have to say, is Mary Ellen Mark. I love her. And I, I feel very um, disappointed that I never took one of her classes before she passed. Um, but I really like the documented stories that she's told within her photos. It's very um, beautiful to me. I also like the rawness and like realness of um, the boogie. I have his books. And then there's like the classics. I think like Joel Meyerowitz is very classic New York. Yeah. Jill Friedman. I'm trying to think of, I mean, Diane Arbus. There's just so many. I just... Um, yeah, yeah, that's oh, good. There's, I'm, I'm like, I, yeah, I'm like, I can put Are them in categories. Good? There's like New York, you know, and it all just kind of depends on them. Um, I reference them a lot. Then there's all the Japanese. I love I it. Love I can talk about it. like photography yes. and just in, in general, but I think I find, I find inspiration from that more so than I guess fashion images or whatever, which I do find inspiration from that too. It just really depends on the film. But something that someone told me, which I thought was interesting, was that fashion always is inspired by film, but film is never really inspired by fashion. I think it was one of the directors I was working with that told me that. And I thought that was really cool and interesting to me in my work that it is true. You know, it's like we're always referencing our fashion. You know, it's always referencing films and movies, even from past eras. But what transcends through time is film and the stories that film has told. And that's why it, it's so important. And I feel like my work is important. You know, it's like a time stamping something. So it's cool. To keep That's such going, a I powerful guess. quote too. That's such a powerful quote. I, mm-hmm. I totally agree with that. It's so true mm-hmm. because of like coming from both kind of backgrounds of loving fashion and, and photography and video and film. It's just like one big globe, <laughs> one big mm-hmm. earth of it all mixing together. And it's so true with that statement. And so let's talk about the new cover that just came out for the New York Mag. Congratulations. Oh, yeah. Thank you. What yes. a stunning cover. I love everything that's being placed. Oh my gosh. All right. Let's get into it. <laughs> tell us, tell us more. Yeah. what happened. How did you do this? I was actually, I was really excited about this. I kind of knew already. I had a little backstory. I knew about it a little bit because I was interviewed for it first. I had just finished a long project. You know, it's kind of feeling a little exhausted from that. And so when I heard about this one, I was like, oh my God, let's do it. This sounds so fun about merch. And I had the conversation and it was interviewed about, you know, like, why, why do you wear merch? Like, what's, what's the reason behind someone wearing merch like why do you want to represent like this restaurant or this place or New York or like why do you feel a sense of like um so I had this like you know long conversation with the writer Stella a week before so I really kind of I was already thinking about it because she asked me some really interesting questions about like why I'm wearing the things or like how do you know because I was telling her you know in terms of like character study and how I like study characters in general in New York And like, it's like, how do you know the difference between someone who's from Brooklyn versus Harlem? Like, if you see them on the subway, do you know the difference based off what they're wearing and like, and how they represent their community, even within New York, that's very complex. And uh, some of the like telling signs is by what the merch they're wearing. So anyway, so that was like kind of the pre, I started really thinking about that after our conversation. So then they asked me to do 
a shoot that was basically all the merch. So the information I got was like, you know what the story is that we're writing. It's about merch in New York community and how in the last year there's been kind of almost like a resurgence of merch and like being proud of your community because a lot of restaurants and institutions are kind of on the verge of going under and it's about raising money to support them and a lot of places are creating like t-shirts so that you know rather than donating money you can just buy a shirt and support them or show support by wearing something you know and the importance of that how can we create some sort of merch monster based off of all the merch in New York and how do you do that you know and took me a few days I don't know if like I didn't I only had three days to prep this so it took me a day and I spoke to the photographer too Bobby Doherty who's great we spoke about it because he had a vision of making this where it's like piling on as much as possible but it gets very political and there's so much we had a list of hundreds at least the New York mag you know the people Amelia they started a list of all the different places that has merch and it's like was categorized, but it was hundreds. And you're just like, okay, it's one outfit. How do I display as many establishments as I possibly can? But there's only so much real estate. It's only the front front half of the body. Like, how are we going to do that? And it's like, how are we going to pick and choose? Like, are we, for me, it was more important to do more of the mom and pops because to me that's why I wear merch personally. It's like, yes, there's like the Yankees and the Mets, but then once you open that door, then you have to do the Yankees and the Mets. And then it's all the sports and you're like, ah, but do we really care about MLB? Like, should we do that? You know, like to me, maybe I like wearing merch. It's like the small mom and pops, like Dave's New York or like a cat's deli hat or like Punjabi sweater, you know, like those are the, that's the merch that I have at home that I like to wear. So I really had to like sit down and then start reaching out to everyone. But, you know, it's all categorized. It's like, okay, we have to like, if we're doing restaurants and we also have to do some clothing stores and then we have to do, maybe we should do some museums. Maybe that's the biggest, more conglomerate type of place that we'll use. But for the most part, I really just wanted to do the small, the small businesses. Yeah, of course, especially so, during like this time. Uh, yeah. Where yeah. So yeah. So there's a long night of figuring out, okay. And then I'm like, well, let's just start reaching out to people. Let's just see what we can get. We have two days. Like, let's just start going. Let's go out. And it was so fun. So we went to like Pearl River and then we started going to the restaurants and then just asking people and like and going out. Cause I'm like, maybe, you know, New York is such a a, a place, a people place where it's like, maybe let me just go and start talking to these people. Let's go to this restaurant and like talk to the general manager, tell her what I'm doing. Let's, let's get a t-shirt, you know, like, and, um, a lot of, I mean, most places were really receptive and it was really, it was really fun and a beautiful process in itself of just like going to all these places. It felt like a marathon of like, all the institutions, you know, I literally in one day probably went, went to four museums, 17 restaurants, seven clothing stores. And we all kind of, I don't know, everywhere we went, we were like greeted with such love. It was so fun. Or like, you want, you need a bagel on your way, you know, you need something. What do you need? Let me get you something. And it's just like, it's just really fun to just bounce around and go to all those places. But it was also like part of the process was just like, okay, let's just get as much as we can and then go from there. Let's just see. We emailed a lot of places. And then there was like a, the other part of it was the actual New York City merch. I went to probably every gift store from like 50th Street down to Canal Street. 
And that was so much fun. Also, that was another day of just like going to every store, like looking, looking for the rare, you know, what's the rare New York like merch hoodie. And that like, I haven't done that in maybe ever because it's one of those things. If you live there, you're not going on Canal Street to look at the New York City sweatshirts. Like you rarely walk by it, but you don't do it. So it was really fun. It's also sad to see that they're all closed down. You know, a lot of them are suffering. So it was fun to feel like, you know, at least being able to support them in that way of like create, you know, buying the scarves that I found or um, all the keychains. That was so fun to build. So you, yeah. You anyway, yeah. Miss New about. York. You made me totally miss New York. I love the people, the culture, just like everything, the architecture. But you made me really miss the people, just the way they're like, Mm -hmm. you want a bagel on the way out? Like, thanks so much for just like that connection and community is so special compared Mm -hmm. to Los Angeles. It's a very, very different pace and a very different energy and again it's a very different culture and I love it so much I always feel like I'm a new secret New Yorker who's living in LA for the weather (laughs) but yeah wow what a journey and I'm sure you Mm -hmm. discovered so many spots that you're like wait I probably should check this place out if you didn't know it already living there yeah right no so it it was really fun because then it yeah it did open my eyes to like new places or you know things that I'm like okay once we things are open again I really want to come back here and like support them so fun but yeah it it really uh, I like fell in love with the city again just by doing this project just you know I miss the people and I missed that's something that is you know so unique to New York City it's a big city but it's like so community oriented 100 um it's really special so especially right now it's really special because it feels like everyone has is gone the winter this winter it just feels like Oh, it's only locals. It's only New York people right now that are there. It's really cool. Yeah. Let's talk about your new HBO show that's going to be coming out, Scenes from a Marriage. Let's talk about TV and how you prep that and how did that happen too? Yeah. You know, it's interesting. I told myself I didn't never wanted to really do TV, I guess. And I don't know why. I just I guess in the past, I've been, you know, offered or asked to do TV shows. The biggest difference, I think, for me and what I think has always deterred me from wanting to do um, TV was the time. It's like a lot of times TV shows in general are like 11 months of your life, whereas a film is like three to four months. And knowing how exhausting and tired, you know, the hours of working on film, that's a long time long commitment of, you know, you're like, okay, am I I really, do I really want to devote the next year of my life to this TV show? Like, is this going to be worth it for me? And so far, you know, I'm like, I don't know. What drew me to this one is that the original series was an Ingmar Bergman series. And he's like a pretty well-known, um, art house cinema director from the 70s and he has created some like masterpieces what this one is it's almost like a screenplay like in the way that it's written and I thought that it would be a challenge for me to do something completely different from anything I've done before it was also two characters and how those two characters so there's only two main characters in the entire in the series it's how to 
change how their characters change over time. So every episode would be a change of time. So that was something that was interesting to me. And if everything stays the same, if you know, everything was shot inside the house, but the the big differences were their wardrobe and how they presented themselves to show a change in time, I thought was really interesting. And because there's only one look pretty much per episode, it weighed heavily. Like that one outfit was really important. And I guess I had just never had character development like that before. To me, that was really interesting. And for something like that, definitely you were saying about having doubles and triples and (laughs) for stuff, especially if it's just Mm -hmm. one kind of outfit, correct? Yeah, correct. This one, because of TV, and I think because also because there's only one look per episode, we would shoot that episode for two weeks straight. So you need like two or three of the same outfit so that, you know, we have time to clean if they're wearing it all day. And so that was a different journey for me because of um, most of my films, I like to use uh, vintage and I like to find specialty pieces and trying to figure out how to get those in. Cause that to me, I think is what makes the characters special um, in a lot of films because you need doubles. Don't do that. It's scary. Um, But I'm always willing to take that chance because I think that it's worth it, (laughs) which a lot of people get freaked out with me about. But so that that in itself was was different, you know, just because I've never had to use like all new clothes, you know, or just but, you know, there's also like you make them look old, you know, you distress them and having like a distresser. I love that part of it, too. Like really making something look worn in like it's been worn for years is fun, too. Me too. Um, that was like, I did costume design like a few years ago. Um, and it was kind of the same process of like, just got hit up for a feature out of the blue. Mm-hmm. I was like, yes. And that was my favorite part is really distressing and ruining the sneakers and really like making it seem like somebody has been, you know, wearing it and using it. I remember I would pick like putting gum on the back of the sneaker, like things that would no one would ever notice or see because I just mm-hmm. wanted to make that character feel so real. I love it on your Instagram of how you show like your process of your journey throughout like your job. I think it's it's so beautiful. I love it. I'm, I'm honestly like, oh, thank you. Obviously, this is going to be audio. So not a lot of people can see what my face is. But I keep smiling because <laughs> you're just like such a gem. Like, seriously, you're just such. Oh, thank wow. You. Like, wow. So, <laughs> Oh, thank you. That's so sweet of you. And I have to figure out the best way to do that because I do love sharing my process. But a lot of my work is you know, obviously, and a lot of our work in general is NDA, like you can't really talk about it, you can't show what you're doing, you can't like release any information until until it comes out. I mean, I guess I just have to share it for or wait to share it for when it comes out. But I think to me, that's the most interesting part is like, how do you do this? Like, you know, even for me, I want to learn that with other costume designers, I have no idea what other people's process is and maybe I don't want a part of me doesn't want to know because I've just learned by doing like I have no idea what other people do and what their process is they still kind of feel like there's so much to learn or maybe I could be doing this better or maybe there's like a better approach but I'm the same with you of just kind of like jumping in the pool like I think Mm -hmm. it's awesome I think it's great when you just, you know, a few things on how to do it, but it's just creating your own process and creating your own ways. And it's Mm kind of nice in this industry. There are no rules. 
you know, everybody does things the way they want and the way, of course, there are standards, but it is like really creating your own workflow. And mm-hmm. I I love that. I think I admire someone who's just like, yeah, I didn't, I didn't do this. And I just now know how to do it. And we're going to yeah. do it to the top. <laughs> I think that's really badass, you know, I have like two more questions. Uh, one of them I definitely wanted to talk about is representation and being signed with an agency and that whole process. But how important do you feel for a costume designer or stylist to be represented? Mm, that's an interesting question. I mean, I guess it just depends. I feel very lucky and very blessed that I was approached, you know, and that I was signed pretty early on in my career to WME, which is huge. Like they're like the biggest agency. And I was nervous about it. You know, I I was, I was really like, I don't know, is this the right idea? Like, do I, you know, is this good for me? Is it not? I mean, I think for the most part, it's important. I, I do. It depends. I think if you want to build a career for yourself as a costume designer, it is important to be signed because you're put up. It's almost like with any agency, then you're put up for these bigger jobs. I've been offered opportunities. I would never have probably been asked if I wasn't represented. And so it's cool to even just know that this is what's out there. And also having someone like my agent, Mira, who explains to me why like so I'm putting you up for this because and a lot of times when you're when you're put up for jobs like it's like it's not really the the producer the story is great but it's also like I want you to meet these people in this world like this will bring you in to other opportunities and this is why I'm putting you up for this because I, I think that you would really enjoy these people and like you would really get along with them and that's why I want you to do this and you know and I think that that is really important in building the career that I have like I don't think I would have done this HBO show if I wasn't represented so you know I think just for exposure and in that it's really important um I do however feel like I don't uh, get reached out to as much for like the smaller independent features anymore which makes me a little sad, I have to say, because I, I really enjoy that. I think it's almost the same as doing, you know, and you know, you probably know like bigger campaigns versus working with like the small designer that no one knows about, but makes really cool stuff. Like I, you know, you need to have the balance, I think, in order to, to stay like creatively fulfilled. So it's like, you know, I just finished this big HBO show and it was crazy. It's like the biggest show and the biggest budget I've ever had. But like, I think having the balance and also doing like a really, I want to do like a small, a small feature, independent feature that maybe I won't get paid anything. Those are the the films that really shine to me too and are the most creative. So I think you need both. So I just want to say that. Yeah. Yeah. My last question, finally. Yeah. <laughs> um, no, what advice would you give somebody who's trying to go into the same field as you? I think the biggest advice, and I think that something that I would have told my younger self to just do it, to, to, to like, you know, even if you don't know how to do something, it's okay. You learn, you can learn how to do something, you know? And uh, for me, just in order to even get into this industry, I had to take that chance, like of just jumping at, at an opportunity. And like, even if you don't know, it's like the whole, I guess, fake it till you make it thing. That's okay. And like really sacrificing and like 
really working hard, if you really want to learn how to do something, I'm a very hands-on person. You just have to go and you do it. And like, that's how you kind of learn and figure it out, you know, or, um, if you're interested in someone, I, I think also not being afraid to reach out. I love it when I, when, you know, people reach out to me even, and they're like, Hey, like, you know, you know, I, I think that's very courageous. And I think that's important that you should do that, you know? So, yeah, I think it's just about really diving in and getting your hands dirty and like learning from experience. To me, that's how, what, how I did it. Even if it means not making money or, you know, you have to work a second job. I've worked in restaurants and I worked as a cocktail waitress for so many years to, so that I could do what I want to do, you know? And I think that people forget about that. You know, you really have to work. Like I was working in the service industry for so long, a decade. Okay. Like it's only been a few years. So like, I didn't just get here and I want people to know that like, it's really important to put your time in and like, it's okay. You don't have to make money for like a few years, for years. (laughs) If you just need to side hustle it out and do some things that you don't want to do for a while. And then, you know, it'll come, you know, but to be patient and your time will come if you work hard enough. So that's 100 percent yeah you're talking to someone who worked in retail for 10 years yeah (laughs) all about that side hustle and Mm -hmm. you know it is all about patience and just going for it even if it's a weird thing like even if it's something that you're not really that interested in it's like or you know it's like a whatever like a commercial or even like a music video that you don't really like you know just do it just do it for the experience because you never know who you're going to meet on set you might not like the team that you're working with, but you might meet someone like in the makeup department that you love. And then you two can develop a relationship and work together on something else. You know, it's like, you never know who you're going to meet. So just being open, you know? Yeah. 100%. Okay. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> oh, my dear. Thank you so, so, so much. Yeah, of course. On Talk. Talk is presented by Brain Freeze, hosted by Dana Buos, produced by Vera Iwanoff, and Indigo Media, edited by Sam Sobo, and music by Max Dandino Ferrer. See you next week for the next episode of Talk.